This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Over the last couple of decades, we've started to realize that one procedure, treatment, or drug won't work for everyone. The idea of precision medicine is having tailor-made treatments for each patient. Dr. Tony Capra is an associate professor of epidemiology and biostatistics at the University of California in San Francisco. He says the first step to precision medicine is understanding each person's evolutionary path. Looking at your genome, your genetic sequence, that unique evolutionary document that represents you and the history of all the ancestors that you've had, you know, going back to your parents, grandparents, and on and on and on through, you know, the whole history of life, really. I mean, it's kind of this amazing thread that links us all back through billions of years of history. That history, it turns out, was shaped by the environments and various other evolutionary pressures on your ancestors. And that means that the effects of some genetic variants in one individual could be different than the effects of those genetic variants in other people. Meaning that one patient can have a higher risk for heart disease, while another person with the exact same genetic sequence won't have any negative effect. And so if we trained, let's say, an algorithm or a predictive model in a population of European ancestry individuals and then applied that to individuals of a different ancestry, say Asian ancestry or African ancestry, we should not and cannot assume that it will be anywhere near as accurate as it might be in a European ancestry population. Capra believes that in order for physicians to create the best individual treatment plans, they need to look at the patient's entire ancestry, not just one person's medical history. Where our ancestors lived is integral to our health, which Capra says is most apparent when we look at our immune systems. There have been different pathogens endemic to different parts of the world at different times, and our immune systems have to evolve really rapidly to try to best fight off whatever pathogens people in a given environment are exposed to. And so the particular genetic variants that you inherited that influence your immune system are really shaped by what pathogens your ancestors experienced. And those are really different. While our ancestors may have all stayed in the same place for generations, you and I don't have those same restraints. And now that people can easily move all over the world, we're having many more situations of two people in the same location reacting very differently to bacteria or viruses. This observation begs the question, will our modern migration habits change the health of our future generations? I think it's hard to really speculate that far in advance, but definitely the last couple hundred years of human history or maybe four or five hundred years of human history have really shaped and changed the makeup of our genomes with populations being able to move so much more rapidly and interbreed and come together and move apart so much more easily than they had you know, at any previous time in our history. This more recent phenomenon has led to an interesting divide within cultures. 
For example, Capra says we can no longer assume that African-Americans all have the same ancestral pattern because some people have genes from a European ancestry. This is another case where that kind of evolutionary perspective is super important, is like if someone walks into a clinic and they say, yes, I'm African-American, that can actually mean quite different things in terms of their genome and the context of their genetics and what effects a given variant might have in that individual, even compared to another person who's African-American. And so going forward, absolutely, I think the sort of makeup of the genetics of our population are going to be really, really shaped by the fluidity in terms of environments we live in, all the amazing medical treatments that are being developed, the fact that different populations are easily moving and mixing together. But we won't know for sure what effect these modern habits will bring, especially when factoring in the new environmental obstacles we'll also face. At its most basic level, evolution is a game of chance. It looks at what we need to be most protected from, but it can't account for everything, which means that some viruses can sneak in and wreak havoc on populations. We've been learning as we get you know, more and more information from the fossil record and more and more information from ancient genomes, from ancient humans and closely related species like the Neanderthals, that all the time in our sort of deep human history, there were populations that arose and lived for, in some cases, hundreds of thousands or millions of years and eventually went extinct. You know, we think that, you know, back 100, 200,000 years ago, there were actually multiple different forms of human, including the Neanderthals, the Denisovans, and likely a few others that basically were very, very similar, but had diverged for hundreds of thousands of years and lived largely in different parts of the world. But now we are the ones that really the only ones that remain. So that's just, I think, part of the evolutionary process. Or in plain terms, it's just luck. Evolution doesn't always get it right, which leads to a common question. Why do we still have disease? Why haven't we evolved to be protected from viruses and bacteria? Oddly enough, Capra's recent paper published in the journal Nature Reviews Genetics shows that this vulnerability may not be the mistake we think it is. So evolution is trying to do the best that it can within some really strong constraints right? So there's certainly the first fact of just like, what are the genetic variants available and possible in a given organism and population? And then what's the environment and how variable is the environment? Evolution has to keep a certain level of variation in our genes because we face so many different threats in our world. Capra says that if all of our effort went toward protecting us against one situation, we'd be left completely vulnerable to all the other dangers. For example, just think about a pathogen that managed to figure out how to evade whatever immune system you know, was optimized for the environment over here, then we would all be basically unable to fight that. And so evolution is basically trying to make predictions about what's going to be beneficial in the future, in future environments. And those environments are changing and difficult to predict. And so as long as there's variation, both in terms of our genomes and in terms of environments, there will be in a given environment, some people that are more better suited and other people that are less suited. And so, you know, and that's sort of what we call disease in most cases, right? As we mentioned earlier, the process isn't perfect. Sometimes new variants get introduced and sometimes people get unlucky and one of those new variants would fall into a place in the genome that's really, really important and cannot tolerate that variation. So that's another way we can get you know, the very severe disease. 
And when there's variation, there'll be some people that in a given context are at one end of the extreme that is less fit in the environment. And so that leads to this presence of disease. Which means that disease isn't a failure of evolution, but a necessary product, since we have to have differences in the genetic makeup of our populations for the best chances of survival. Capra compares the evolutionary process to a game of poker. You might make absolutely the right move based on the cards that you have and the cards that other people have, but you just get unlucky. You know, you've got a 70% chance of winning, and that's the highest chance of winning you can have with any possible play you would make, right? And you make that play, but uh-oh, you know, that ace happened to come up and the other person wins. And it's not because you didn't make the right play. It's just because ultimately this is a sort of random process and you're trying to do the best that you can given that uncertainty. Join us next week as we dive further into the history of disease, evolution, and the future of medicine. You can find more information about Dr. Tony Capra and all of our guests on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. For more behind the scenes, follow Radio Health Journal on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our writer-producer is Kristen Farah. Our production manager is Jason Dickey. I'm Nancy Benson. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. So it's a really interesting evolutionary phenomenon. It's like one copy of the gene is protective and two copies are fatal. The deadly difference between sickle cell trait and sickle cell disease. Then why hasn't evolution protected us from all diseases? So evolution is trying to do the best that it can within some really strong constraints. All that and more this week on Radio Health Journal. I'm Elizabeth Westfield, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. That was a weird decision to drink an animal's milk. Ever think about who was the first person to drink a glass of cow's milk? We take a look at the many firsts in history. Then... We're moving away from kind of mainstream news to partisan news. You know, the internet is becoming less and less reliable than it was even a few years ago. New technology is aiding in the rise of conspiracy theories and misinformation. How do we navigate this new media landscape? I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.